Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello, Deep Dive Podcast people. Dave. You guys ever like go online and get directions? So you go to Google Drive by accident because you're like, oh, I have to drive somewhere. Let me put in Google Drive instead of Google Maps. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good things. So Craig, do something besides what Dave said for his hello. I I did that twice last week, actually. (laughs) Twice. I'm I'm, I'm curious if you really did that or if that was just a... (laughs) A, a pun joke because i have personally no, never I done that i did i really want to drive somewhere google like... drive <laughs> yeah. yeah all right uh this week uh i got a game for you guys my good thing just came out in early access it's called dinkum it's uh it's australian animal crossing your game can, can you spell that because i can think of a few ways that could go based on what i think you said i i, th- I think how you think i'm saying it is exactly what it is. Let me link the uh, Steam Store page. But I'm um, gonna guess D I N K U M. Dinkum. So anyway, it's it's basically it's Animal Crossing with a tiny bit of you know farming sim type game, a la Stardew Valley. Um, you're on an an Australian type island, lots of kangaroos and dingoes around, and uh, you know you're trying to build up your community. You have some couple people that have. To visit you and you build up the town a la animal crossing um, but time does pass an accelerated pace which is why i say it's not quite animal crossing but you can tell it's heavily influenced the art style and uh the way that the townspeople act is very animal crossing-esque uh unfortunately they are people and not animals fortunately or unfortunately depending on how you think of it i don't know uh but anyway it's quite fun my wife and i are playing um it does seem a little bit more robust compared to Animal Crossing um, in terms of the multiplayer, as in there's stuff to actually do on the other person's island. And for the most part, I can do everything on my wife's island um, that, that I could just do on my own. So that there, I'm, I don't really, I'm not really restricted as much. Uh, unfortunately, I just have a sleeping bag in her house. So, you know, that's how it is. Um, anyway, it, it seems pretty good. It just came out in early access, so I would say if you don't like to play early access games, to wait and see how it is. But so far, the dev, and it is a single dev game, um, he pretty much had the approach of let's make a full game that has like progression and everything from the get-go when he does early release. So it's not like, hey, this is stuff that seems like it'll be fun once there's a real game there. Instead, there is an actual game there. You have skills. Um, which are leveled up by just doing the activity of the skill. So if you mine rocks, you get mining. If you forage from the trees, you get foraging. If you go fishing, you get fishing skill. And you use those skills to unlock new recipes and stuff like that. Um, There's like... The game's very good about giving you tasks to do every day, um, but that they're easy. We're not talking like, oh my gosh, this is hard work. It's playing the game. Um, uh, talking to the townspeople, they'll give you requests every day. There's a like three mini daily challenges thing, which again aren't very hard. But it's the game's very good about let me just do one more day. Let me keep playing one more day. 
Um, just, just it's it's part of the fun. There's a lot there, uh, and it is pretty fun. So it, the game is called Dinkum. I linked it in our Discord. Okay. Uh, you mentioned it had fishing. Yeah. Is it Animal Crossing-style crossing fishing, or is it, like, um, Stardew Valley-style fishing? Because I've Neither. seen it. Okay. It's, I would say it's it's more forgiving than Animal Crossing, uh, because fish don't really scare each other off when you, like, start fishing. But they went for a more realistic approach to fishing, so the fish will try to run away. Um so it's pulling at the line. So if you try to reel it in at that point, you will break the line. So you wait till it calms down and then you reel the fish in. So it's a little bit of a back and forth. Um, so I would say it's closer. So Animal Crossing is you press the button when the bobber goes down. This one, you are actually doing something. That's why I say it's different. Okay. Because I've seen, I've seen like previews for games yeah. and they took the fishing controls from Stardew and I'm like, yeah. why? Just... It, it is it is not like Stardew fishing. Like Stardew is a a wonderful game, but the fishing is easily the worst part. And and like taking that and putting it in your own game, just why? Anyway, uh, I think it's Dave's turn. Yeah. So I haven't uh, mentioned Food Theory in a while since it first came out a year or two ago, and I've been watching it every week, and they're pretty entertaining. But uh. There was a cool episode this week about milk alternatives, and Ooh, it was it was basically you know kind of rating different milk substitutes like uh, soy milk, pea milk, almond milk, cashew milk, like all the major uh, lactose dairy free milk quote milk products that aren't like technically <laughs> milk, but they call them milk. Um, fun fact: in Europe, I don't know if it's a specific country, but in Europe they're not actually allowed to call it milk because it's not milk. But uh, anyway, Wait, you so... You can't milk a soybean? Mm, you can try. So anyway, uh, Matt Pat well, and wait, his crew... Wait, what, what do they call it then if they can't call it milk? They call it like oat-based like drink products or something like that. I forget, go watch the video. Oat-based um, non-dairy liquid? Something like that. I forget exactly, but yeah, go watch the video. So anyway, Matt Pat and the theorist crew... They rate okay. Uh, uh, different. Just, I'm sorry, Dave. They call it oat drink in the UK, apparently. Oat drink, okay. Or Something it'll like be that. oat milk, but the I is asterisked out, so it's like it's oat milk. So it's milk. Yes, <laughs> oat milk with vitamin <laughs> R. Okay, I, I apologize <laughs> for the interruption. So anyway, they rate different milk substitutes based on texture, taste, how good it is for baking, how good it is for frothing for cappuccinos and stuff like that. And, you know, it's not 100% completely scientific. Um, it, it is, you know, enough to be on Food Theorist. But uh, yeah, it was really cool, you know, and he gives different suggestions on what type of milk substitute is best for you whether you need more protein or need more fat or need to save money, like kind of breaks down all different aspects of different milk substitutes. And I found it quite informative and entertaining. Should check it out. Uh, so it's a YouTube channel called Food Theory. It's the theorists uh, family of channels, which also includes game theory and film theory. It's the yellow one. So I've recently... Uh... I think I mentioned it before. I drink oat milk now. Um, that started like a couple of years ago. I switched to oat milk mostly because I found out like cow milk is incredibly bad for the environment. Like it's it's so costly in how it's made. 
I'm like, I should try oat milk. I like cereal. And yeah, it goes good in cereal, I will say. Um, so I've been an oat milk fan for the past couple of years. Uh, so I definitely want to check out this video. I pulled it right up. I'm always curious about the different alternatives and how they rank with each other. Yeah, yeah I wanna, I'm wanna. i excited to try out cashew milk after watching the video. I've been drinking almond milk just because that's kind of like yeah. the, the de facto uh, milky product that doesn't have sugar in it. Because like cow milk, they I don't know if it naturally has sugar in it or they add sugar to it. Like skim milk's got like 17 or something grams of sugar per cup. Wow. Like, it's a lot. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's lactose, man. Uh, whole milk might be might actually have less because there's more fat in it. So there might be less sugar in whole milk. Uh, I will like, say it's like no sugar in heavy cream. So if you haven't tried it, Dave, um, I like the brand Oatly. Um, I think that's what most people recommend in terms of oat milk. It's very flavorful. They might add sugar, though. I have to actually check. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to stick to something that's low in carbs. And I think the yeah. like the grain based ones like oat milk, rice milk. Yeah. Yeah. Even soy milk, I think would. I'll have to check the labels next time I'm in there and kind of try something else. But the like the nut based ones are basically carb free, so that's what I was gravitating toward. Yeah, Almond Breeze is pretty good. My wife likes Almond Breeze, uh, that brand for the almond milk. Yeah, they make good. Uh, they make good like vanilla almond milk with no sugar in it. It's not like it's not sweetened at all. There's no sugar or any anything weird in it. But I've been getting the uh, oat, the Kirkland Signature oat milk from Costco. It's pretty tasty. Oh, okay. Kirk Kirkland signature's always good. But sounds like it's my turn. Yeah? Yeah. It's Mike's turn, you. Woo. Alright. Uh my good thing this week is a series of books that the first nine of which were and may still be free, uh, via Amazon that I posted in our Good Things channel a few days ago. Uh it's called Cradle by Will White, W I G H T, and it's they're really good, you guys. It's a genre called progression fantasy, which has like very defined level, like power levels, and it's all very kung fu-y. That's it. fun. That that's what I'm. That's all I'm saying about it. I did pick it up at your recommendation, uh, because free is a good price. So yeah, I'm part way into the third book now. I've just been like, you've been devouring them. Yeah, I've been going ham on these, but yeah, real good books. Cradle, Will White. Tori? Uh, so my good thing this week is also a book. Um, and I can't remember if I told you guys about this or not. So if I did already, I'm just going to tell you about it again. But um, it's T. Kingfisher's Nettle and Bone. I've mentioned T. Kingfisher before. Uh, and Nettle and Bone is, it's kind of, it's not a fairy tale retelling in that I'm not aware of what story it would be based on, but it's got a lot of fairy tale uh, tropes to it. Um, but it, it's really not a fairy tale. It's um, so the third princess, the youngest daughter, um, her older sister gets married off to another kingdom. Well, later she air quotes dies in a accident. And is this Warbreaker? No, it's kind of suspicious, <laughs> but like. Whatever. So, but they they still want the treaty with the other kingdom. So then the second sister goes to marry this other other prince, and um, we find out later that oh she's being abused. So the youngest sister is like, okay, I have to save my sister. So she goes on this quest to try to have the prince killed in ways that won't come back on her kingdom, and 
result in her kingdom being wiped out in a civil war or whatever. And so she she ends up going to she talks to like not really a necromancer, but she's called a dust wife. And uh, she has she for reasons has to make a dog out of dead dog bones. And so it's just a bone dog. It's just a skeletal dog that runs around with them on this quest and is in all ways a dog, except it's made of bones. And I love this character. Bone dog. And uh, character. Yeah, that's like the parent. If you've ever seen Paranorman, there's also one of those. Right? Is it Paranorman? um, Yeah, I think it is. And there's a, a fairy godmother that's not so good at the blessings, but she can curse people real good. And oh, uh, like Night Watcher. Yeah. What? And <laughs> so, um, yeah, when I was describing the plot to my husband, he's like, "I just hear the Willow theme running in my head right now." And yeah, it's very much in that vein of just it, it's it's a it's a modern fairy tale, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So super cute book, highly recommend. Um, it's your fault, Tori, by the way, your last week recommendation was Lore Olympus, and I'm on episode 71 of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, really enjoyed that too. And it's still going on, isn't it? It's not over. It's like every right. week it updates. Yeah. I, it I thought I was going to read a complete story, but now it's like an ongoing thing. Well, um, so at the time that I recommended it, uh, they had just finished up season two, so now apparently a season three has started, but season two wrapped up so well that I'm just I'm I haven't started season three. I'm just waiting for that to build up some content so I can binge it again. But like, yeah, up to the end of season two is just great. All right, I want to finish a book, you guys. It's been so long since we finished a book. Can Ooh, we finish a book this week? Let's do it! Oh my gosh. Uh. All right, Dave. Uh, we're gonna finish book one of Cradle this week. You ready for that? Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go rent it from the library. Sure. You said any book. You just didn't say. Yeah. yeah so long, one. long pause while we all go read that book so we can talk about it. Don't I worry, put auto truncate. Get rid of the silence. I posted the free or ebook in like the link to it in our good things several days ago. You all had plenty of time. Yeah, I did pick it up. I just haven't read it. I need a Kindle. You do. Sitting in my pile of free books that someday I fully intend to read. I mean, it works just fine on the app, Dave. I need a bigger screen. You want to talk about Oathbringer instead? We might no, be able to I... finish that this week. No, I want to finish Cradle. I've been doing all my reading on Cradle. Well, I actually read the Oathbringer chapter, so I'm ready. I also did the reading. Just so. in case your plan fell back on. Yeah, I was really hoping we could... Just completely shift focus to the Cradle Deep Dive podcast. Is that a Cosmere book? It could be. We could we could make the case. You guys need to read it so you can like follow along. But yeah, chapter one hundred twenty one of Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson. Unless there are any more objections. Nope. All right, chapter one hundred twenty one, the last chapter. Revenge is a dish best served with a big dessert because it always makes you feel empty afterward. Wise words. After killing a king, Moash is to kill a god. What's next? A god king? No! No! I don't want that crossover. What, dogs with bees in their mouths so that the bees shoot out every time they bark? No, that crossover's fine. Alright, uh, next scene. Oh, by the way, it's just montages from here on out, so, you know, just gonna do what we did before and not have a plan. 
Yeah, right, next this scene. is just wrap up. These this week's chapters are really just wrap up yeah, like the plot ended last climax. week. Yeah. This is just the, to tease you for the Sulfrena novella. Alright. Uh that's a good one. Alright. Dalinar thinks his memories came back because um whatever. Uh this <laughs> what? whatever. <laughs> Reading Rainbow. <laughs> oh man. It's it's funnier written down. So join our Discord. <laughs> and it well pa- only patrons get to see my bullet points. Uh but for the sake of audio listeners, Rain is spelled R E I G N and Bo is spelled E A U. Is reading Rain Bo. I took care of it for you, Dave. It's in the quotes from episodes channel. All right. How will people access that in the future? I have no idea. Tori, can you walk people through it? Okay, so if you visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash, what is it? CosmereCast. And then you'll find a link to our Discord server. Thanks, past Tori. Next scene. <laughs> well, I think that I wrote that because Dalinar is learning to read. It might be from, from Navani's from perspective. Boo? Hmm? Bo. Yeah, Did you say boo? boo? His boo. Bo. Yeah, it's Bo. It's pronounced his boo. Craig, I mean, if, boo if, is slang for Bo. Hey, boo. <laughs> Craig, if you're going to use slang, then the appropriate term is shoddy. What? Okay, I never heard that one before. It's, it's shoddy, not shoddy. Shoddy. Yeah, I tried to get a little yeah. more W in there, but it didn't. It just, it just <laughs> well, didn't go with You're not from accent. Philly. Like, uh, well, I wonder how confused our European listeners are right now. What's so shoddy? <laughs> Alright, next scene. Something about boots. Those others aren't Shalon and Adolin knows it and her. What does that has... even mean? I'll tell you what it means. So Shalon, uh, if you've been paying attention, there's a little subtlety, but Shalon kind of has multiple personalities. She has Radiant and Vale and Shalon. But those other multiple side personalities aren't the real Shalon. Adolin knows that Shalon is the real Shalon, and he knows her for who she is. And then I think, is this where she gets married and gets boots from Kaladin, or is that next chapter? I think next that was chapter. actually next chapter. Yeah. So I think she does. Oh, she mentions the fact that Kaladin lost his boots in the mud or something. All right. Like next he keeps scene. losing those boots again. Oh, <laughs> that Kaladin. Yeah. How could he possibly have lost his boots the first time, Shalon? All right. Uh, do we really need to kill those guy? And metal listeners, Craig, what did I mean by that? Sh- should we start from the beginning of the chapter? Because we didn't talk about the other ones. Yet. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, so the first thing we have is, uh, yeah, Moash perspective. Um, they are like, oh, we're impressed that you killed the king. Good job. We we appreciate that passion, as per usual, because uh, they like passion. And they're like, hey, would you like to go kill a god? And that's mysterious. Uh, then we go to a down. Oh, that's a Navani perspective. You're right. This is. Oh, are they talking about Yzerza? Mm. No, Why don't we find Yzerza. out next chapter, Dave? Okay. Uh, future spoilers. Um. Anyway, uh, Navani perspective. Uh, where he talks about how he thinks his memories came back. Uh, at the proper time, because Odium would have given back his memories instead at the moment, which would have overwhelmed him. So his memories coming back were sort of a blessing in disguise. Uh. As they came back gradually, while he could somewhat handle them. Yeah. Until I mean, he it was got a, back on the sauce. It was a rough couple of weeks, but 
he got there. Um, and then he does ask Navani to learn how to read. So that would be cool. Then so, we get to Shalom. What? Just as a little note here, Dalinar did not handle them. It just it just wasn't quite as horrible of a time as as later would have been, but still real bad. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's not like let me overwhelm you with this. Hey, I'll take your pain so you don't have to remember. So it worked out for Team Radiant. Um next scene, we already talked about this. This is Shalon. She's looking at Cowden like, man, he always loses those boots. And then she's swapping like every sentence. It's Shalon, Radiant, Veil. And she's just yeah, cycling like through. Last week when you said this was happening, you were thinking of this one, this scene. So I don't remember oh, no. it being this drastic in the previous chapter. It was bad last week. It is worse in this chapter. Like last week, it was every paragraph she was switching who the identity was. This one, it's like every sentence. Um, And then Adolin comes by and he like is like perfectly timed. He knows where Shalon is. And then boom, he like pulls her out and uh, she gets to actually coalesce into Shalon and doesn't really switch to Vale and, and uh, Radiant. So good and, old Adolin. And then she decides at some point. Maybe next chapter to coalesce into Shaladolin. Well, yeah, that is next chapter. Um, and well, they get now... married in the next chapter, but I think she... In this chapter, I think, is actually when she makes her decision. This chapter also has a lot of discussion about potentially winking, potentially fading out. We'll see. I like how there's a, a love triangle in this book, but it's not focused at all. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's there, but we're not going to make it a main theme of the book. I mean, it's a main, the conclusion of it is kind of a main theme of Shalon and Adolin's individual character growth, as well as their relationship, of course. But uh, no, it's not like, and I like Hunger Games a lot. Like, I thought they were very good books. And, but there was like, like, like one of the like major plot points was the love triangle in that series, which is fine because that's what it was. But I just think it's interesting how there is that, is that kind of love triangle in Oathbringer, but you almost forget about it most of the time because the world is ending. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like in, in Oathbringer, um, it was sort of brewing under the surface because we had those scenes since, uh, well, Words of Radiance, right? That's that's where they get caught in the, was that in Wave? That That's that's Words of Radiance, right? That was in Words of Radiance. They yeah. get caught in the chasms, yeah. In the, yeah. So since then, like fans were always speculating like, hey, maybe she, Kaladin and Shalon are going to end up together. Um, so it's always been like sort of in the background of people. And like for this book, we haven't really like like you said, it's just sort of under the surface. And it's like now it's like, let's address this now sort of thing. And that's yeah. that's silly because Kaladin's true love is Adolin. True. But Adolin's true love is Shalon. Uh, also true. We have a love triangle. Oh, it didn't go the way we thought. It was more like. They, they can turn there, this so into a thropple. Like a... Come on. I mean... uh, it's it's a love pentagram. There are, there are five entries here. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like Fleetwood Mac. Although I guess theirs was a love square because there were only four of them. Anyway, uh, next chapter. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac situation. Uh, okay, but I will say also that Suzanne Collins does handle the love triangle in the Hunger Games series well. Um, probably better than Twilight, which I've never read and probably never will read. <laughs> But Sounds I don't like know. you're qualified to make that statement. Yeah. Based on the memes and the bad things everyone else has said about Twilight series. So, All right, next scene. Well, hold on. This scene. Holding on this scene. Um, 
Brandon Sanderson, I don't know if I told you this before, Dave, but I know we talked about it. He has mentioned before in various talks that he doesn't actually like love triangles. Um, so honestly, what we got in Stormlight Archive is probably the closest we're going to get to any kind of like tangible love triangle. He doesn't like them. He doesn't like writing them. So we got pretty close in this series. Yeah, the, and it's there's a pretty heavily implied love triangle at the very least. Well, there's also Dalinar, Gavilar, Navani in the flashbacks. Oh, true. True. Um, anyway, let's go to the next scene now. But that was in the past, so we, like, it's not like we were kept in suspense on how that turned out. We already knew that Navani marries uh, both Gavilar. of them in sequence. <laughs> yep. All right, next order of chapters. What's, what's okay, a metal so, listener? Yeah, so this is a Venli perspective. Um, she's sort of over-listening to other Thalens, uh, Thalen singers, as they're sort of doing work and stuff. And they're like, do we really need to kill them? Like, we just want to, you know, we just want to exist and have our own identity, finally. And the other one's like, yeah, because if we don't kill them, they're going to just want to capture us and use slaves again. So this is what we have to do. And, you know, they're arguing about it. And I think the one of them says, I just want to know, like, who we actually are. Um, because, you know, they just suddenly gained back the ability to speak and, and see the world again. Um, so then Venli thinks about it and she talks to Tambor about it. And she's like, uh, like we the listeners didn't do a good job at shrugging off Odium. Like it was for a short period of time. And then we came running back to him. And it's sort of like like they messed up, basically. But that is sort of their culture and identity. And she realizes she can tell them. So she walks up to them and starts telling them about the listener. And that's what the metal listeners, I think, is referring to. I don't know why it's metal, but that's, yeah, listeners. Yeah, they were such failures. They avoided Odium for only like 2,000 years. God. Failures, Mike. So oh, speaking of identity, I was thinking about this, uh, about burning gold and like how burning gold works. And then it dawned on me. Do you guys ever read Dune? I've read yeah. Dune yes. once. Yes. Uh, guy, Paul. I've heard of him. Mm-hmm. A tra- isn't it like Paul Trees? Isn't that his name? Gold uh-huh. Savant. Paul cool. is a gold savant. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He gets addicted to the spice, which is basically alimantic gold. Well, Dune or, is... Or Electrum, I don't know. Dune was a huge influence on Wheel, Wheel of Time, which itself was a huge influence on all of Brandon Sanderson's stuff. I can talk. So, yeah. yeah. All right, next scene. Crazy. Surge of derision. <laughs> what? It's a, it's a Lewis Carroll reference. Don't worry about it. I think it's supposed to be division. Derision and uglification. Laughing and grief. No? Mock turtle? Anyone? Tori, mm-hmm. help me out. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you. Uh, <laughs> dreamy <laughs> me. Yeah, I wonder who that that could be about. <laughs> uh, next scene: Shalon reminds Kaladin of Numihuku Makiaki Ayalunamore, or Tien. Maybe he had a thing with a rock or something, right? Uh, I th- I think you mean. Oh yeah, I, you did mean Shalon. Never mind. It was a rock, not rock, rock. Not the uh, rock, just a rock. Um, an earthquake. Next scene, Tara Bandingian. Next scene, Yuzera's eliminated. Wow. Does he only respawn if a singer kills him? All right, let's ask, answer that question after we go over these couple scenes here. So, Brazy. Do you want me to do this, or are you going to do this, Dave? Oh, you got it. 
Okay, do I? <laughs> All right. Um, next scene, we have a Zeth perspective. He flies up to go talk to Nail, who's just hovering there, sort of seeing the, the remains of the battle. And he's like, are you mad at me? Um, and Nail's like, no, of course not, because this is the oath. Well, first he asked, did you actually swear the oath? And he swears the third ideal right then and there. So uh, this is actually confirmation we get that he did not swear the ideal right before. This happened during the battle. He's swearing it now. And he does have a spren because something acknowledges it, but it's a very uh, elusive spren. So we don't actually get to see it on screen. It it is a high spren. This is a point where we need to apologize to Dave because, Craig, you and I, I think, both assured him that Zeth had, in fact, sworn the third oath. I know I did. And we were mistaken. I thought that was the case. We're sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, I can't apologize for Craig. No one can. Well, I'll apologize for me. Yeah, I, I messed up. I led you. Uh, I forgive you, mainly because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's the, um, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, continuing. So, yes, yeah, that talks to Nail. And Nail mentions that, you know, the Heralds would suffer on Braze. Um, oh, is that their old planet? Oh, no. Bra- oh, Braze is damnation. Right. Yes. Braze but it is. is it, they damnation. say, okay. But they, he, I think it's, um, Nail says on Braze. He doesn't say in Braze or Apres. He says on Braze, which makes me think it's like a whole different planet. It is a different planet. Is it the planet they're from? No, the planet they oh, are from. We heard, is we heard Ashen. that name, Ashen. Yeah, we have heard that name before. Braze is, it... is a different planet in the Rosharian system, and that's where the Heralds go when they die. Three inhabitable worlds I... in the same star system, and three shards all crammed into one world. That can surely not be a problem. Um, anyway, yeah, so, so it's sort of like, well, Nail said most of the Skybreakers are, are going to be following the, uh, singers, so it's like, hey, are you mad at me? And Nail's like, no, you know, laws and people, people make mistakes, and people make the laws, so yeah, these things can make a mistake, so you're not trying to be perfect, you're just trying to be consistent, um, so I don't know what the surge of derision <laughs> Ex- exactly means but you know uh, derision, I, think it might be, I think it might be well first that's like uh not that nail's gonna say hey you know we might fight eventually because we're on different sides hey it happens we'll just see who uh, whoever is right wins um but in the meanwhile nail's gonna go oversee his training about the division surge uh since he just ga- gained access to that and then uh, that's what i meant as Nail flies away, Nightblood's like, I never liked that guy. He never liked Seth? No. No, oh, Nightblood didn't like Nail. Oh, He's Nightblood like, I never didn't like liked Nail. Him. That's right, yeah. Yeah. He, he knows a thing or two about who's evil. He literally doesn't, but sure. <laughs> well, he he knows he knows who's evil based on who's holding him. <laughs> so Nightblood, he doesn't know it is. But he's here to destroy evil. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> he yeah, know. yeah, Dave. That's that's a problem. <laughs> that's fine. Uh... It'll all work itself out in the end. Hey, I mean, if if you if you hold the view that everybody is evil, then Nightblood can do no wrong. All right. Um, next scene, Dreamy Me is actually Shalom perspective because she's you know she's she's checking out Kaladin. He's like flying by. And Adolin's like, you know, I should step back. And he starts saying that. And Shallan's like, you're an idiot. 
you know, you can admire a fine work of art, but that doesn't mean you want to get intimate with it. So uh, that's that's her talking about Kaladin. And then she says a lot of uh, nice things about Adolin and they start making out. And uh, yeah, there you go. All right. Next, next scene. Uh, Kaladin, he's he's thinking about actually has a rock in his hand, a rock, not the rock. Um, and that's something Tien used to give him where he'd have a stone that he would find particularly pretty that has certain you know, it reacts to water or something like that. Does, does Dreamy and, Kaladin have the rock or does Shallan have it? Because Kaladin is holding a rock at this point in this in this okay. scene. It's, it has nothing it's, to do with Shallan. Is Shallan saying something about the properties of the rock or something? Why no, is Shallan's name in my bullet point? Shallan's here because Kaladin's talking to Syl and he made a comment how like about letting her go, uh, about letting Shallan go. Um, and he makes a comment how Shallan sort of reminds him of someone in his past, specifically Tien. So Shallan's like able to let Kaladin sort of relax a little bit and not be so depressed. Um, and that's just what Tien used to do as well. So uh, that's why. It had yeah. nothing to do with her playing with a rock. But yeah. Tien, like, Tien used to play with rocks or something, right? Like that was Tien one did of his like things. rocks, yeah. Okay. He liked to collect them. Um, and then they realize, like, talking to Syl... Um, Sil's worried that they're going to abandon their oaths again, like the Recreants. And he's like, no, we need a different approach. Like, they're bridge four. They have a different thought about this. Like, he, he doesn't fully know who needs protection. Like, that's still going to be difficult. Um, it's going to be difficult for all the Windrunners, and he acknowledges that, but that doesn't mean they're going to give up the oaths. Like, it's all about the the things that they swear and, I guess, discuss with their spren and how they feel uh, themselves. So then he flies off and talks with Tef to thank him for being at the Oath Gate. And Tef's like, I thought this would be easier. And it's like, no, it's not. It's going to specifically get harder and things aren't just going to go away. So Kaladin's going to be there for Tef. Tef's going to be there for Kaladin. And they're like, well, who's going to be there for Rock? Because Rock broke one of his oaths. So we'll have to see what happens because that's the end of the scene. Oathquake, yeah. And then we have, yeah, Terra Band... Terabandangian. Terabandangian. Thank you. Uh, so this is a Dalinar perspective. He has a chat with Terabandangian. He appears. He's been helping uh, the wounded. Quote, unquote, helping the wounded. Hey, yes. he helps them if they can be helped and just writes down the words and speeds up the process if they can't be helped. Yeah, exactly. Um, He uh, he has a talk with them and Terabandangian admits that, yes, he abandoned them. Um, he, well, he depending thought... on how he's feeling that day. He thought that they would fail uh, because of the odds that were stacked against them. And Teravangian admitted that he wanted to take control of the coalition. So he figured he'd leave, he'd take control of the remaining forces, and maybe together with the rest of the remaining coalition, they'd be able to beat Odium. So he admits this to Teravangian, and he also admits that he was the one who had the assassin on white after Gavilar's uh, assassination, and he used the Assassin White to basically take over Yakovet. So that was that. Okay. And finally, uh, Yezrian is el- eliminated. Um, Who's Yezrian? Is Yezrian? Is Yezrian referred to as Yezrian at times? Apparently, this is also Ash's dad. Though, yeah, I think. it is a Yezrian sometimes, isn't it? I probably. Yes, it is they Yezrian all have sometimes. They all have ten names. They all have ten names. Um, uh, Moash kills him with a weird knife in the gut. And this we'll we'll talk about does he only respond if a singer kills him? He responds if he dies. What the knife is doing, and if you paid attention, 
it should remind you of a different sword that we've seen when it starts killing people. Um, oh, the one that Hraithen had in Elantris. No. Uh, um, oh, the yes. one that Nas had, and he shot at uh, Sophie Tarksolith. No. I don't uh, know who these people are. Not Sophie. What was, uh, you know, uh, Girl Yak? Craig anyway. claims to have read these books, you guys. <laughs> what? What books? Who's a yak? Nikki what? Savage. That's her name. Nikki Savage. Oh, Alamancer. Yeah. See, the problem is you start using Y's for J's, and okay. then I don't follow it. Okay. When, when, when we're not I, on I, Roshar's I think you're just not schedule. following along very oh, Hang long. on. Hang on. Hang on. Dave is not using Y's for J's. Brandon Sanderson is using <laughs> Y's for J's. But Dave is just going them. along with it. He's it legit is Alamancer Jack, though. You we can't just prove are being that. Funny. It's Alamancer Yak. <laughs> you can't prove it if you talk to him. <laughs> we should totally ask him that. Hey, hey, Brandon, yeah. is it Alamancer Yak or Alamancer Jack? And also, <laughs> why are all your Y's, uh, all your J's pronounced with a Y? And because what's his favorite German. flavor of yam? <laughs> yeah. Do <laughs> you prefer yam or yelly? <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so this particular knife does something to the herald and it is a permanent death um so that happens okay some things so about it, the knife does it sever his soul or something like a shard blade or a night blood it... like, like a night blood yes actually no some things about the knife number one it is made of a white gold metal oh it's gilded in silver no it, it, <laughs> it is electrum it is explicitly Which... colored white and gold where have you seen that color scheme before uh, white and gold. Which shard has that color scheme, Dave? Ooh, I know, I know. Tori? Is it odium? Ding, um, ding. Yep. Beat to the punch. <laughs> also, there is a gemstone set in the the pommel that starts acting funny after uh, Yezrian gets all stabified. So is his soul in the gem? I'm pretty Wait. sure, yes. Or not really soul, is because... His cognitivity or his spirit? It's like when they trap a sprint in a gemstone, except this is one for Harold. Oh, so it's a Yuzerizuriel. Although I thought this was a permanent death, Mike. Oh, it is. But we don't find that out until the next book. Spoilers for Dave. All right, let's jump ahead of Rhythm of War. <laughs> I mean, we're only like two months out from that or something, right? Like, We'll consult the diagram know. during wrap-up next week. How about yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, that was my plan. <laughs> Alrighty. So yeah, Yuzeris is eliminated. Next scene. The Leapin. Nacho. Want to see a truck? I think that's supposed to be trick. Uh the Lopin is the only one who hasn't snapped. <laughs> no no, it's it's definitely truck Dave. <laughs> uh yeah. Yurney before pancakes. The Lopin has been talking to Lyft, I suppose. And Rua makes a ruined gesture. Oh, no, it's definitely truck. Lopin's like, hey, hey, Gancho, want to <laughs> see a truck? What's a truck? I don't know, but you want to see one? Yeah, so he's teaching this uh, amputee some uh, some some of the one-armed techniques that he's picked up over the years with his one arm. And he has bonded a spren that he calls Nacho. And uh, he says, you're before pancakes because he must know lift. And he actually, I think this is, I, this is when he like accidentally swears the second ideal of the Windrunners, I think. Yes, yeah. correct. <laughs> I mean, he's he's been saying the words 
pretty much nonstop for months. But this is when his oath is actually finally accepted. Yeah. And <laughs> he's like, Stormfather, I think, I guess it's Stormfather is like playing a trick on him. He's like, ha, you didn't, you wanted it to be like this whole big thing. And now it's happening at like some dumb time. Ha <laughs> ha. No, it's Rua, his friend. Oh, Rua. You mean Nacho? Nako and Rua, yes. He has nicknames for everybody. I'm pretty sure Nako means cousin in some form. Ah, and this is a boy honor sprint. Not that they necessarily have genders anyway, but he uh, appears as a male person when he's not a ribbon of light. Yep. Okay, so everything that Lopin calls people is some variant on cousin. Just, Just keep that in mind at all times. Everyone is a cousin to Lopin, even you and I. It's too bad this is the last Stormlight book. Note, Dave does not speak for all of Cosmere. Next scene. Wait, Craig, are you are you happy this is the last Cosmere book? No, I'm saying it is not the last Cosmere. Well, that's not a claim that Dave made. He said it's too bad this is the last one. If you're if you're arguing with that, then you're you got to be arguing that it's great that this is the last one. Oh, oh man! Listen to that sentence. <laughs> he just wants to start over with a new, new reader. He can't wait to get rid of me. Ada's not ready. We got like ten years to go for that. All right. Uh, I guess we don't need. We covered that scene pretty well. We'll just move on. And the final scene of this chapter: Ash's dad, Yezrian, is dead. Yasna it is has Yezrian. Some... It's right in your notes. Yeah, it's Yezrian, but he's also called Yzerizad. Yzeriz. Uh, and finally, Yasta has some really cool Herald fan art. All right. Uh, so he went over that Lopin scene. So just kind of wrap up what happened at the end here there, Craig. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Ash's dad is Yezrian and he died because of that knife in an earlier scene. And yeah. it turns out Yasna has been looking for Ash and Talon and she has this super realistic uh artwork of them no idea how they got it there's definitely no one who's very cosmere aware that might have given her those pictures nobody that went dancing with any singers a thousand years ago oh so did that... Wit give it to her or did nas give it to her Nas doesn't give away pictures he only there's, steals this them. is wit this is from a picture from wit i think yeah correct me if i'm wrong mike i don't know who it is but I, it's probably wit it's probably hoyd like you know what it's probably hoyd Whatever you're thinking of, it's probably Hoyt. Yay. Who stole the pizza back in Well of Ascension? It wasn't Zane, it was actually Hoyt. Yeah, it was Hoyt the whole time. Oh, and that's how he became an Alamancer. And you that's how Hoyt became Alamancer Yak. Hmm. Hoyt was in Era 1 and Era 2. Although, oh, he was in Era 2 a couple times. He was a cabbie and he also showed up at some wedding in the first book. All right. Anything else for chapter 121? No, I think I'm good. All right. Chapter 122, the final chapter. Chapter 121 was the last chapter. This is the final chapter. Hey, it's those guys. Let's see if I can remember this kid's name. Gav? (laughs) That's as far as you get. Gavinor. Uh... All right, Craig, who are those guys? Hey, it's those guys. It's Scar and Drahi. And oh, also yeah, those guys. I recognize three squires. Yeah, Gaz. Not to be confused with Gav. No. I guess didn't go, Gaz didn't go to Alcar. Specifically, Hold not on. Gaz, but the, Red. Three others. Uh, 
Red, blue, and green. Hey. That's the one. You did better than Shalant did. Good job. Wait, what about the girl? The girl went with them too, right? Yeah, one of the the girl ones. Oh, there was the three. She had three guys plus the girl, or did she have red? I thought she had two guys and and the one girl. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was a there was a pretty harsh limit on how many people Kaladin thought he could take with him. Yeah, but I mean, he could just let Shalon fall, and she'll heal herself with Stormlight. And Adolin's wearing shard plate, so he can let Adolin fall. <laughs> Next scene: Taravangian is compassionate. Wait, wait. Uh, it's so, and also Gavinor is there, which is the three-year-old son of Elokar. I thought he was seventy-three. I'm pretty sure he's three. I remember seeing that he. I remember reading it and thinking, "Oh, he's older than I thought he was." When I read this, he's three year old at the time of Kaladin, Elokar, and Shallan's infiltration of the Kolinar Palace. Three or four years old. Okay. Well, okay. The compromise yeah. is two or three at the time, but sure, he's three. Oh, well, he's three now. He had a he had a third or fourth fourth birthday since we last checked in on him. I guess. What? No, has it been four years since that? No, a third, whatever. Next scene. Taravangian is compassionate today. Hey, Craig, you should uh, post that Simpsons image that I posted in Discord. Oh, you mean stream. this image that is currently on my stream? Yeah. I, I, uh, by the way, I love this. So if, <laughs> if you guys, and we already uh, mentioned the Discord. So if you go to our Discord, there's a Dave Art and Stuff channel. So you can see all the fun pictures and memes that Dave makes. So he made one that's a graft of Taravangian's compassion and intelligence, and it also goes with Homer Simpson. <laughs> when you're more intelligent, you're less compassionate. I forget All what right. that, that actually is, like happiness and something it's else. It's happiness, happiness, intelligence. This is from the episode where they took the, the crown out of Homer's beer, brain, and he became smart, and he wanted to increase his killing power. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> All righty. Uh, so Taravangian is compassionate today. Odiagram. Who is Fortune? Odium and Taravangian buddy comedy. All right, take it, Craig. Uh, so th- clearly from the meme, Taravangian being compassionate today means he's not intelligent. He failed like the first page. He couldn't even get through the first page of the test that he set out for himself. Um, however, the Everstorm's coming by and whoops, Odium is here. Having a chat with compassionate Taravangian. Um, and Odium's like, hey, what's this? And they find the, the diagram just sitting there. And he n- reveals it for the writing. Like, he actually reconstructs the, the writing on the walls. So he read it. And then he's like, you know, Taravangian, you have no idea how far you actually could see. Um, he's like, you got this far without even using fortune or having access to the spiritual realm? What's Is up with fortune that? fortune a surge? or Fortune is... One of the pillars of investiture, a la identity and connection. Oh, this is what um the uh, one of the element or one of the ferrochemical metals stores fortune. Oh, I forget which one. Probably like Bendeloy or something. Oh, well, maybe actually. I don't look at it. Bender um, alloy is forty percent fortune, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I think if you actually add up all the percentages of Bender's medals, it's like 104% or something. I forget. I'll have to look that up. But uh, yeah, so no access to fortune. Yeah, what I find interesting... So Tyrant also wrote a message to his future self. 
Knowing that he would be stupid on the day that Odium appeared to him and showed him like the picture of the diagram. He knew. Yeah. Like he he knew that Odium would call on him on a day he was stupid and that he would have to send himself a secret message. And what's kind of interesting also is Taravangian is is pretty mad at Nightwatcher because, you know, he asked for Nightwatcher for the ability to save his people. So, you know, he says, I need intelligence and compassion. So his blessing is that he has great compassion and great intelligence, but can never, but they're mutually exclusive. You can never have them at the same time. And Taravangian is mad because, you know, Nightwatcher, why would you do this? Just let me save the dang world. I'm trying to save you too, Nightwatcher. Odium is going to destroy you. But the funny thing is, Taravangian being stupid today is also duping Odium into thinking he has the upper hand, whereas Diagram Taravangian actually saw this and is taking advantage of the fact that Odium thinks Taravangian Wait, is weak today. Are you saying that maybe it wasn't Night Watcher that gave him his boon? No. Oh, I'm darn. saying that... Because you really should be saying that. So, uh, so to go okay. along with what you're saying, as we remember, this is a word of Brandon. This is not like a future spoiler. Um, at this point, at the release of this book, we found out from a word of Brandon that Cultivation is the one who gave Taravangian his boon slash curse. Oh, um, like Dalinar. Ala, Ala Dal Dalinar. And there's so, one other character that we know of that Cultivation has stepped in personally instead of Nightwatcher. Davilar? No. Who else Boy. have we seen that has done anything with the Night Watcher? Hoid? Shallan. Didn't Shallan? Oh, well, Kaladin's parents? Or did I make that one up? You made that one up. Uh. I remember that theory. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, man. Who? Uh, I don't know. He's okay, do you forget the most awesome Radiant ever? Come on, Dave. Nail. Anyway, um, but yeah, so it seems really weird that this would conveniently work out, right, Dave? Yeah, so what seems to be part of the curse is actually playing to Taravangian's favor here. However, all he gets out of Odium is a promise to keep the people of Carbranth safe. So, eh. Anyone born the there and their spouse. Uh, which... Oh, they're just going to have to have, like, a big old mega marriage. Yep, that's, that's the loophole. Clearly, is just everyone is now legally married to someone born in Carbranth. Oh man, there's going to be a lot of paperwork to fill out in Azir. But Taravangian, even in this stupid state, is trying to pull one over on Odium. He says, oh, just promise that you'll spare all of the people that I rule over. And then Odium's like, ha, I know you're trying to be the ruler of the entire world, and that's your loophole. I'm not going to fall for that. But uh, yeah, so Taravangian gets Odium to promise he will spare... As you said, the people of Carbranth and anyone anyone born in Carbranth and their spouses. So what if... All right, but anyway, I'm sure that the exact details of this contract won't be important in a future book. No way, no how. Well, the letter of the agreement isn't as important because Odium follows the spirit of the agreement. If you want the letter of the agreement, you want honor. That's true. And that's why they don't write it down. Odium's word is as good as gold and yeah. white. Cold and white. Yeah. So who's the other person that talked to Nightwatcher? Was it the guy that could see upside down? Wait, is, is Dave joking? Wait, you mean cultivation, not Nightwatcher. Upside down seeing guy did talk to Nightwatcher. Yeah. 
but that's not who I'm talking about. Void lift. Oh yeah, the awesome one. The awesome. Yeah, journey before pancakes. Lift wanted to be a good daughter or something, and so she went to Night Watcher. Yeah, the the fact that she can eat and form investors should be like a big clue because that's a really weird ability. And I think at one point Stormfather even remarks like uh, about being annoyed at cultivation for that. Right? Is this Stormfather? When that? Lift shows up in the Storm Vision at one point. Well, that too. Yes. So he she smells of interesting cultivation. Smells like pancakes. All right, I think uh, we're done with this scene here, where Taravangian meets Odium. Uh, I'm done with this scene, yes. Moving on, next scene. Map meeting. There's no way Taravangian stole that honor blade that Odium said Taravangian stole. Gavinor! The committee to find Sadius's murderer finally does its job. Oh, I just can't wait to find out who will be king. Uh, Yasna, obviously. Or Sabariel. Next scene. I was right. It was one of those two. <laughs> Next scene. Work, work. Chop, chop. Dig, dig. Fire is the bat dude from Zelda. Next scene. It's alright to be happy. Marizi knows that Sianat wants to defect. Next scene. And final scene of the final chapter proper. Dalinar wonders if the pen is mightier than the sword. Dalinar writes Oathbringer, which went there and back again. Yeah. Because, like, he had the sword, and then he didn't have the sword, and then he had the sword, and it's a Hobbit reference. I'm pretty sure we saw some epigraphs from Oathbringer in this book, and now you know who wrote it. Yeah, they were at the beginning of the book. I don't think so. I think I think uh, Rayshek wrote those. All right, so map meeting. Take it, Craig. Uh, so this is a Shalon perspective. She's hanging out with uh, the generals and, you know, because she's able to make the map um, with Dalinar's connection ability or or whatever it is that he's doing. And Adolin's there and they totally are PDAing all up in this place. And everyone's like, "Ugh, kids. I know so, when Craig says connection or whatever he's doing, ain't no one knows what's going on. Except me. <laughs> Um, if you don't know, what chance do I have? No, it is a connection. Us mere mortals. Um, yeah, and then they have a, a talk about uh, Dalinar mentions that there, there, there is a traitor somewhere in the midst. Um, and it's like, hey, could it be Taravangian? And it's like, no, there's no way it could be Taravangian. But Dalinar's going to keep an eye out and see if he can this figure takes, out who it is. Th- this takes place in the scene following from Odium saying to Taravangian, Hey, good job stealing that honor blade. Yup. <laughs> oh, Dalinar. Uh, he totally yeah. learned from Sadius guy. He should have read the it. he should have read his own book that he wrote, Oathbringer. He would have <laughs> known Taravangian was the traitor. Oh my god, it was in the book the whole time. Come on. Yeah. Maybe when he gets to writing that chapter, he'll realize. <laughs> um And then when he gets to writing the following scene, he'll realize what a naive fool he was. So, given what happened, uh, they do need to crown a, an Alethi king. And it's like, well, can't be Gavinor. He's too young. So, guess what, Adolin? You're up next. And this is where Adolin finally admits that he killed Sadius. <laughs> He's and like, he would... I don't want to be king. I murdered a guy. I can't and... be king. It just so happens that I also don't want to be king. <laughs> Silly Adolin. Murdering one guy isn't enough to get to make you king. You gotta murder a bunch of guys. Yeah. You know, at the end, all right. So at the end of this scene, I started kind of making guesses on who the king would be, and I'm like, 
Well, like, Kaladin's pretty good, but I don't know if he's really diplomatic enough. And then I'm like, he also doesn't have a royal blood. Like, it has to at least be a high prince. So I thought, like, my first thought was actually Sabario. I was like, well, he's a high prince and he's good with managing people and stuff. And then I was like, why would they pick him over? So, like, it's probably a Colin person. So I was like, it's, I'm going to, like, so my actual official guess was Yasna. And then when I read the next scene, it's written from Sabario's perspective. We're actually from, uh, <laughs> not from Sabario, but from Paloma's perspective. And yeah. I was like, oh, it actually is Sabario? So I got like baited into thinking it was Sabario for about half a page. And it's just the perspective of Polona trying to wake up Sabario with, and tell him about boring gossip. <laughs> and then seeing Yasna just walk into the hallway with a crown on her head. I had a very similar thought process minus Yasna. Minus even thinking about Yasna being king. This is why Shalon ends the chapter with, hey, have you guys considered dot dot dot? Well, yeah, it's a bait, but... No, um... Have you guys considered High Prince Sabariel, High Prince of Trade, who took me in and was actually pretty awesome? Yeah. You guys considered that guy? Yeah, if you guys want to think that, that's fine, but uh, I, I, I was very certain it was Yasna the moment I read that. I'm like, oh yeah, totally needs to be Yasna. I don't think I even consider Sabariel. And then, yeah. He's a good choice, though. Not as not as good as Yasna, because when he's not as close to the royal lineage. Way, about but... like being able to, he, he's very good with logistics and and supplies and economics. So yeah, there's definitely some advantages. But he he's just he doesn't want to be king. Number one, um, he would definitely turn it down. Oh, then he has to murder one guy. Yes. Exactly one guy. <laughs> no, no, that's Adolin. It disqualified him. Okay. Um, if Alethkar still exists at the end of book 10, then Sabariel should be king. <laughs> if Aladar has a dime to its name by the end of book 10, it will be thanks to Sabariel. Get it? I said dime. Ten cent. Ha <laughs> ha. I didn't even mean it, but then I realized that I said it. All right. I think we're done uh, with that scene. So... Uh, work, work, chop, chop, dig, dig. Fire is the bat dude from Zelda. What did I mean by that, Craig? <laughs> is that really the character's name in in the Zelda game? Yeah, you Not... know the big bat that you hit and he turns into two smaller bats. Yeah, his name is Vire. Is it really? Yeah, it's spelled the same as this. I don't oh. know. Is this a, a woke bloke or whatever? Ugh. Okay, is it one of them. This uh... is a singer name, but it's for Moash. Moash has become Vire. Oh, right. He's, uh, that's right. He's being infused, I think. So Moash in this scene is doing work. He's just, just breaking apart rocks or something with his pickaxe. No, and not Numihuku Makiaki Ayaluna more. Hasn't boulders. he been broken enough in these He's chapters? breaking boulders with his pickaxe. And the other people from the, um, the, the group that he sort of helped out before come and join him. And they're like, hey, you're free. You can go do other things. They're like, nah, we want to break rock rocks with you and then nine fuse come flying by including leshwi and uh leshwi's the one that he killed like much earlier in the book um was it it was this book right he killed her in this book yeah yeah um they have a gift for him and they give him the honor blade that we keep talking about the teravangian totally didn't steal uh and it's like hey if you take this you're no longer moash like moash is dead you're going to be vire Fire means he who quiets. So he takes up the oath blade or honor blade, sorry, uh, and flies because it's Yezurian's old honor blade. You know, the one that Zeth used way back in Way of Kings. 
Moash finally gets to be a Windrunner, just like he always no. wanted. No, no, no. Journey before destination, strength he, before weakness. I think Moesh is very death. much a destination. Before I will protect journey. those who do not protect themselves. Would he though? I will Would protect he do that? those. I will protect those even that I hate their guts, and I will protect those who need it, even if it's me. You know, you have to mean Can those I things. Can I fly yet? Huh? Oh. <laughs> he, and, and Moesh would not mean it. So he he gets the powers of the surges, of course, because that's what the honorable scream. Oh, speaking of uh, just a point, when we do the wrap up episode, I want everybody to think of, and you probably have thought of this already. Think of which order of knights radiant you would most likely fall into. I uh, I have my answer, and it is not Windrunner. Uh, I can actually answer that, Dave. But um, we're gonna do it in wrap up, so we well, have stuff to talk about in wrap up. So I will give something to our listeners. Uh, back when Brandon did um, his big Kickstarter, was, was it? It was this past Kickstarter, right? He also posted. Oh, I'm sorry. No, this is when he did the leatherbacks. The leatherbacks were Way of King, uh, Way of Kings. When he did that, it also included swag, which had different Night Radiant orders in it, and he also posted a quiz that you could take. So you take the quiz, and it tells you which uh, order that you're in. So. That was fun. Oh, I guess I can actually do that and get an official oh, answer yeah. instead of what I, I think is the answer. Well, uh, I want to know what you think it is, and I want you to take the quiz, Dave, and see if it matches up. Can you yeah. dig up a link to that and post it for us somewhere? I think it's on our Discord, so hopefully I can just search for it. Yeah, and I, I think it was hosted on the Tor website. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Like I... when they were when they were doing preview chapters for Rhythm of War, I think it was on there. I only very vaguely remember what I think my results were. And yeah, that's not good enough. I'll need to retake. Oh, I remember my results because they were spot on. Yeah. Okay. I did find it, I think. Is this the one? It, this looks weird. Uh, I'll post this one, though. Yeah, I, I'm sure if you take it and you see the results, like I remember what the results screen looked like. Here, I'll, I'll post this in... Uh, I guess just general, and you guys can take it. All right, okay. let's keep going with the chapter, or unless you're done, Dave. That was it, right? Yeah, end of the book. Yeah, fire, then, fire uh, gets a sword. Nope, there's no uh, more. There's more. There's more. It's all right to be happy. Some What's-Her-Face gets married, and Marisi, uh gives gives her payment for taking care of uh, Erythiru Unmade. By delivering her remaining three siblings to her wedding. So it's a wedding present slash payment for a job well done. And her next job, I think, is to uh, capture the mirror unmade and deliver her to the ghost bloods because she's thinking of defecting from Modium. Yeah. Is that close to what's going on? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Okay. You don't want to we tell have, us we what have the present was? Yet. What? Uh, what? The present what? was delivering her remaining siblings. No. Yeah. Okay. And so. she's all dressed and made up for this wedding. And then all of her makeup runs because she's having this touching reunion with Balat and the rest. So Shalon got three brothers back. She's still short one. Hilarin? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that's going to be wow. short for a while. Yeah. And then... Uh, so yeah, well, I forget what's the name. The I, I believe he's referring to the mirror friend who wants to d 
defect from Odium, and we did see she's the one that makes the like the corrupted spren, like the one that Renarin bonded with. So she's already kind of helped out uh, Team Radiant a couple times. Also, she allowed uh, the team in Kolinar into the cognitive realm um, without like straight up killing them, like Odium wanted her to. So you know, Marezi uh, somehow knows all of this uh not maybe not all the details but somehow knows that gosh i can't remember the unmade's name but yeah he's like i don't know if he says like capture her or just like convince her to join the ghost bloods or something i mean the name of the unmade is written in your notes right in front of me crazy oh yeah not yeah <laughs> right uh so yeah it's not even a palindrome What's so weird? So should it be a palindrome because she's a mirror spren, or should it not be a palindrome because she's an unmade? What a conundrum. <laughs> she appears in a mirror, but she's not a mirror spren. Alright. And then final scene, uh Dalinar is getting some help writing his book from his beloved wife, Navani. Alright, anything else for the final chapter? I mean, they have a fun little conversation about uh, grammatical rules in a writing system design, designed only for women to use. Oh, yeah. Be like, what pronoun do I use to refer to myself if I'm male? And she's like, I don't know. Guys aren't supposed to write. But then she realizes that sometimes a woman can write a quote that a man said and that there's a pronoun that they would write in that situation. There's also a neutral eye for the artists to because there are male artists who know how to read and write. Right. And read. All right. Are we done here? Yeah. Sure. That's the whole book. All right. <laughs> wait, but wait, there's the epilogue entitled The Ultimate Chapter. Hoid must be really great art. Awakened doll. But what are its instructions? Wit takes... Wit take... What? Wit talks to a wall that certainly doesn't have a cryptic in it or anything. Oh, can I read this Fiend. last one? Oh. Okay, yes. Fiend! <laughs> Fiend! <laughs> Alright, oh boy. So, looks like Hoyd found himself more access to the door. Sure, just the door, huh? As the door... I thought the door was a general term for investiture, but they used it on sale. No, the door is specifically the combination of de devotion and dominion oh, mashed together in the cover. Like Dormvishian and... That's like a smushing of their names. And right, I think the so, Awakened Doll's instructions were walk forward. He doesn't say it, though. He they need it very something. clear verbal instructions. We, we, we have to go reread Warbreaker. There have to be very clear verbal instructions that the Awakener has to know and understand and say aloud clearly. And, like, and he hey, told Dave? the doll to find the most important step a doll can do. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Dave, uh, counterpoint, right. Hoyd likes to break rules. So what you're saying is this is actually, there's actually like a metal pebble inside the doll and he's steel pushing it. If that's what you want to think, sure. Or maybe, oh, you maybe he used uh, bronze to, not bronze, maybe he used brass. What I'm saying is maybe you don't instructions need, psychically. maybe you don't need to have clear instructions spoken aloud if you know what you're doing. Or... Or it's all light weaving, and he also turned his coat gray. Just He's not a light effect. weaver yet. He's not a light weaver till the end of this. It's, it's true. Dave's got you there, Mike. 
Well, he's not a light weaver, but he can do some light weaving. Why did it take By so which... long for so? Why did it take so long for Spren to seek out Hoyd, and then why did Hoyd actually have to seek out the cryptic? So this cryptic is Elokar's. It's just uh, hanging around the palace. That's that makes sense, sort of. And Spren don't want to bond with Hoyd because Hoyd breaks his word. That's true. But I guess the cryptic is the cryptic is kind of like scared. It's like a scared fractal puppy, like stuck inside a wall. And keep in mind that these, with all these Odium people running around. Yeah, keep in mind that the the fused and some of Odium's forces are also hanging out in the Cognitive Realm. So it's not like this cryptic oh, could just go too. into the Cognitive Realm and run. And they it's are sort spe- of stuck. They are specifically trying to murder Spren of Honor, right? Like that's why Venley has to hide Tambor. And also, once cryptics come to the physical realm, they have a lot of trouble, like actually going fully back into the cognitive realm. Like, take a look at Shallan's guy. Pattern. He's always, yeah, he's always a thing on something, always at least slightly visible. Mm. Yeah, I guess he doesn't poop into thin air like Sulfrena and Ivory do. So, what you're telling me is that King Elokar was on his way to becoming a light weaver of all things. Yes, I thought we mentioned that. Yeah, and King Elokar also told us that by seeing symbols in mirrors. He, he saw like weird shadows and uh, everything. This book's very too similar long. To... I can't remember everything. <laughs> similar to what Shalan saw like way back in Way of Kings and like the thing in the Garden of War or whatever. So yeah, all right. Now Hoyt's got himself breaths. He's got himself a Lorassium nugget. He's got himself uh Uba- I think he does actually say the words, right? He says life before death. Yeah, he, he says, does he, say that at the very end. He says end. the words. So he actually, I think, bonds this cryptic and becomes a light weaver. So he's got three powers now. Good for him. He has more than three. Um, so I, I will is, let you have know. Have we actually seen him use other powers, though? Yes. We have seen him use some form of similar illusion casting, um, which is actually Yolin's. It's it's the magic system on Yolin, which is the Dragon Steel World. It's the the way back the prequel book that we'll eventually get. It's that magic system. Um, so he uses that at one point. He uses something that you don't know about yet because we haven't read that yet. Um, you we know, know he's about used. It? It's the White Sand magic. He oh uses that yeah. At one point. Um, he uses Alamancy. We've seen. Uh, you mentioned he bonded a cryptic. And he cannot access, so he doesn't have access to Aeon Doors. You what have about Farukimi? Would he be able to? As far as we know, yeah. he does not have access to. Is a there a way to get Farukimi without having like an unaspected identity mind or whatever? You could be born with it, or you could get a hemallergic spike. Ah, uh, yeah, but he doesn't want a hemallergic spike because that would put him under Harmony's influence. But I can't see him going that route. Did I hit all Unless of the, he, the Oh, I guess he systems? could do one spike. He could do the one spike thing. Like, what's her face? You know, the, the blob wife. Yeah, blob wife. <laughs> yeah. 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 Leader. Yeah, leader. That wasn't her real name. Lessie. That also wasn't her real name. Palm. Palm. Palm, yeah. All right. Blob wife. All right. And so we yeah. finished Oathbringer. What do you want to do next? Uh, Let's talk about Oathbringer some more, but not now. Next week, mm. or you, you can talk about time? you can talk about Oathbringer without me for a little bit. It, it, it has been going on long, but I do also have a lot of bullet points. Oh no, I haven't eaten dinner <laughs> yet, man. Come on. Good night, everybody. I'll let you get to it. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave.
Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Craig, talk real fast, because I'm hungry. Yeah, I, I do want to be very quick about this. I didn't realize how many passages I actually highlighted. Um, so one, uh, a few strode past covered in Karaspace armor as wicked as Sharplate. There were nine orders of them. Why not ten? And as we know, everything related to Odium is the number nine. So there you go. Um, then I highlighted the fact that Lady Leshwi is the one who... Uh, Moash killed at one point, which is also another weird parallel with Moash and Kaladin. You see that a lot, of course, in these books that uh, Moash and Kaladin have a lot of parallels. They both have killed Leshwi. They both sort of gained her respect in some way because they're, of it. They're both wind runners now. No, in every Moash sense, is not a wind runner. No, it doesn't count. He doesn't have a sill sprint. Um. Okay. Now, I do want to point out the, the knife. Uh, Odium has a command for you. This is rare for a human. You have killed a king, she said, removing something from a sheath within her robes. A strange knife with a sapphire set into the pommel. The weapon was of a bright golden metal, so light it was almost white. So it's made out of Odium metal, and it uses a sapphire in the pommel. I don't know if that... It's probably important to have that sort of... Uh well thing, right? Sapphire is the Windrunner gem, so Think yeah. you need the the I gem think, specific. I think that one might be required. Hmm. Interesting. And yeah, since um Heralds are cognitive shadows that function really similarly to Spren, I think yeah. this is, you know, trapping trapping him in a Fabrial kind of deal. But as we learn in uh the next book, Rhythm of War, his soul his cognitive shadow, whatever, just sort of dissipates after a little bit in the gem. Okay. So if they were able to shatter the gem immediately, he probably would have been okay. Sort of, you think? Uh, for some version of okay, I'm I'm thinking he like started dissipating pretty quickly. So whatever yeah. whatever time passed, he would have lost something. But I mean, okay. he wasn't he wasn't okay to start, right? You know this. This definitely sets something up. Like, this is scary. Like, okay, this is a way to capture heralds. We learn more about this in Rhythm of War, as you mentioned, because, um, you know, they're capturing different sprint. We have uh, the sibling being turned into an unmade. So, like, there's a bunch of stuff happening. But you know this has to be a concern for someone like uh, Kelsier, who's also a Cognitive Shadow now. If there's a way to, you know, trap him, I'm sure he's also super concerned that this is a way he could be killed off as well. But you no Ghostbloods ghost have looked at it. No Ghostbloods know about this. Not not about this specific knife, but you know there's going to be some research. Um, anyway, let's let's continue on. Uh, Navani says, um, so Dalinar shows, gives her actually the, the gem that has the thrill in it. And he's like, you know, study it. And she says, she bit her lip. Dalinar, I've seen something like this before. Much smaller, like a sphere. She looked up at him. Gavilar made it. So we don't see that until the next book. At the beginning of next book, we see the, the gem that he showed her. Is that the Bayedo Mishram gem or is that a different gem? It's either Bayedo Mishram or it's just Void Light. And she was like, wow, this looks like Void Light. I honestly don't know. I think it was Bayedo Mishram that he had access to. 
Um, so yeah, we get to see that. Um, I pointed out that it was interesting that Dalinar, when he goes into the, I don't know, he, he encounters the other kings of the coalition behind Dalinar accepted a respectful bow from Queen Fen, then bowed back. So it's interesting that Queen Fen bows first, because typically that means you're below in ranking if you're bowing first, right? Like that's well, a thing. Dalinar, armed only with a book, kind of single-handedly saved her city. So yeah, oh no, it's absolutely respectful. So I I, I know why, but okay. Like um, other people were there too and doing stuff, but Dalinar kind of did the thing. Um, I highlighted when Adeline pulls Shalon out of her splitting of her identities. I thought that was nice because you know it's every sentence, and then he like pulls at her at the right moment. So that was nice. Um, so I highlighted both of those scenes. I'm not going to go over that. I just like that. Um, I highlighted the one where she talks about dancing around a decision for months ever since those days we spent in the chasms. Oh, Radiant says this. It's interesting because Radiant was always on team at Adolin, and then she says, we've been dancing around a decision for months ever since those days we spent in the chasms, chasms with Stormbless. I've begun to consider that a relationship between two knights Radiant is likely to accomplish a more equitable union. So even Radiant was going to be like, yo, we should go to Kaladin. And Shalon is the only one who's like, no, I decide and I'm picking Adolin. And of course, she's Shalon's argument is he pretty. And no, Radiant's counter argument is he dumb. But Adolin's also the only one who's able to stabilize her. So they, there is value like Adolin is a good person for her. It it works. And she's right, because uh, I don't think Kaladin would be able to do this. I think she'd be a wreck, and he would also be a wreck. You can't be a wreck together. Like, that's way too many demands, so... No, Kaladin would just mope at it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, let's see. Okay, and then uh, I, I put out the the scene with the, the Thalen singers. He mentions, uh, can't we simply enjoy being able to think, being able to exist? She shook her head, lashing a rope tight. I just wish I knew who we were. So this is this is sort of interesting because while the singers are back, they're able to, you know, communicate. Um, they regain some identity. The weird thing is the identity they gained is essentially tied to the land that they're from. So if they were Thalen, uh, Parshman, they are Thalen singers and they act like just Thalens. They're not really, they don't really have an identity of their own. It's sort of tied to the land. I think you pointed this out before, Mike. Yeah. They, uh, they don't want to fight a war. They want to sell stuff. Which is a very Thalen thing to do. Um, yeah. Okay. Next scene is Nail. Uh, he says, my judgment is flawed. He narrowed his eyes. I used to be able to feel Zeth's son, Naturo. I used to have compassion. I can't remember those days before. The torture, Zeth asked. He nodded. Centuries spent on Breeze, the place you call damnation, stole my ability to feel. We each coped somehow, but only Ishar survived with his mind intact. Two things here. One, he mentions he used to have feeling, he used to have compassion, and it was sapped from him. We already know that that's just what Odium does. He takes people's emotions. He wants people to feel passionate, but he also sort of feeds on that passion. Um, that's just sort of what he does. And it makes me wonder if more happened to them while they were being tortured on Braze than just simple physical torture. Like, he could have just sapped their emotions. 
uh, which is just another way of getting to them. Secondly, he says Ishtar survived with his mind intact. And I think by this book, we already know he, he'd be crazy. We already know he's crazy. Yeah, because he's the uh-huh. uh, the god king of Tukar, I yeah. think. And Nail cannot. Actually, I think most of the heralds are like, yeah, Ishar would know what to do. Like, we, we see that later on. Ash even points that out. She's like, oh, we're, we're going to go to Ishar. He would know what to do. It's like they all sort of trust Ishar to know what to do. Um very interesting. Like, I think Yezrein was the face of the Heralds. He was the king as people saw it. But in reality, I think Ishar is the, the de facto leader of the Heralds. And they they can't even see that he went psycho. Okay. Um, I pointed out uh, Zeth's fourth ideal will be I will cleanse the Shin of their false leaders so long as Dalinar Kolon agrees. And then... You know, that there's a bit of a conversation after that. So at this point, his fourth ideal is to cleanse Shinovar. Which, which theoretically is the plot of book five. Yeah, that we know that book five is Zeth's book. It's going to be his his background, his prequels and and um, not prequels, his flashbacks. Um, that's his book. We know they're going to Shinovar because I think that's where they agreed to do the battle uh, way back when it was still um, raised as Odium. So we know they're going to Shin. It's happening. We're getting this. We'll see what happens. Super um, exciting. Uh, there is a brief mention on the Surge of Division. I will visit you again to oversee your training in our second art, the Surge of Division. You may access that now, but take care. It is dangerous. So that's it. It's a dangerous surge. It's okay. He has a high friend who never talks that will help guide him through it. Um, I highlighted where Adel is like, I'm going to let him have you. Uh, and she's like, let him have me. Like, come on, son. You, she makes her own decision. I mean, you know, she talks about this as happens, but Adolin is all yeah. I gotta say. He pretty, but he dumb. Why did I highlight this? If you wanted, I could practically be, I could be practically anyone, Shalon says to Adolin. But that's the thing, Shalon. I don't want anyone. I want you. And that right there is why Adolin is best book. And that that's seriously why he's actually good for her, because he doesn't just want her to, like, change her identity and fit someone he thinks is perfect. He just likes Shallan. And that allows her to stay as Shallan and not, like, fall apart in her weird multiple identities thing. OK, uh, I highlighted still talking about Odium, saying Odium is the void Kaladin. He draws in emotion and doesn't let it go. You, you brought him with you. I wasn't alive then, but I know this truth. He was your first god before you turned to honor. And I think we talked about this before. So the the humans used to follow Odium back when they came to Roshar. So they, they brought Odium with them, and then they switched to worshiping honor and cultivation for whatever reason. All right. Um, okay, this is Taravangian. Uh, when he's admitting to how they found out about the falsely or the true desolation. There's a woman in Carbranth. He said she goes by the name Dova, but we think she is Bata Elen, a herald. She told us the desolation was approaching. Um, I don't think he's lying here. I think this is the herald that's in the diagram. Like, I think there's a herald that's actually in their organization. Uh, I don't know about in the diagram, but I thought we had a, a herald who was acting as an ardent in Carbranth. And yeah, uh, that's, that's her. Yeah, that's her. Um, I pointed out the knife when it kills Yezrian. Uh, it trailed dark smoke and left a blackened wound, which reminds me of the way Nightblood works. Yeah, that that part's Nightbloody, but 
the the well, gem, the the god metal, those aren't night bloody. Those are yeah, those are yeah. their own thing. The the effect that it was having on the body is very night bloody, and I think that's just because it goes through all three realms. Like night blood, when he slices, it cuts things in the cognitive realm and does something in the spiritual realm. Can I just say I love that night bloody is an adjective we're using now. <laughs> we should find more uses for it. Okay, uh, Lopin. While he's at the hospital, um, he, he the he passes Drew, who is folding freshly boiled bandages. Even after all these centuries, sure, they did what the heralds had told them. Boiling stuff killed rot spring. So, Mike, you asked way back early on, you're like, how do they know to be clean since they don't have germ theory? And I think right here we find out it's just because they learned that from the heralds during the last desolation, the, the previous desolation that happened. The, the heralds would have passed on this knowledge and information, and that's just how the people knew the basics. And and clearly it matched up. Like, hey, you boil bandages and Rosprin didn't appear. It makes sense. Let's keep doing that. Okay. Lopin, uh, the guy's like, I might be broken, the, the guy who now is missing an arm. And Lopin's like, good, good. We don't have a Thalen let yet. And lately it looks like we're trying to collect one of everything. We even have a parchment. This is so lampshading, guys. It really does feel like they're trying to collect one of everything. And I love that Lopin calls that out. I mean, a little bit racist there, Lopin. He's a listener. Ah, oh, true. Um, anyway, and then right after, I did highlight the passage where Lopin says the second ideal, which I think is great. Because uh, he just offhand is like, yeah, I'll protect those who cannot protect themselves. And it's like, yay, ding, you did it. <laughs> you swore it. Oh, man. I, I cannot wait. wait. Chart. Yeah. I can't wait for Dave <laughs> to get to the next oath. Okay, we're I mean, almost there, guys. Yeah, that's super close, actually. We're, I don't know, maybe a month out. Uh, I, I want to discuss this after the, the episode. Um, I have an idea. Um, okay, so continuing, I also highlighted where Lopin uh, flicks off the sky, and Rua also does a quadruple finger, which is uh, great. Um Okay. We, we don't know exactly what the gesture is. It's a rude gesture. It wouldn't necessarily be the same one we use, right? Yeah, but I mean, it, the, the message is the same. And also, he does it, point it out would be, the finger. No, wait, wait. no, they're flipping the chicken instead of flipping the bird. <laughs> um, they, he even points out to Lope and points out to Rua, no, you're putting up the wrong finger. Yeah, that one. So it's, it's definitely similar. And then he lifts up a foot. <laughs> uh anyway okay this is this is serious time now so we're at the ash perspective and he's like oh town couldn't he have just hated her couldn't he have let ash stopped in place as something ripped inside of her oh god oh adonalsium what was that what was that note that her curse is oh adonalsium that's super weird isn't it yeah it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue <laughs> okay but I wonder if either A, the Heralds existed before Adonalsium was shattered, and therefore that's just one of their oaths, or two, it happened shortly, uh, they existed shortly after Adonalsium was shattered, so close to that period of time that the oath, the swear word, still existed. I don't see how the timeline could work for because, okay, so Adonalsium has to break. Yeah. The shards have to separate and go their different ways yeah they have to destroy ashen well 
that could happen concurrently if if because we know sprint existed uh during adenalsium age the surges might have existed on ashen at the same time like that's but they brought odium with them well we also like hang on we know the heralds were buddy buddy with honor so maybe honor told them all of it it definitely could be an oath from honor because honor absolutely the shard holder would have existed during adenalsium but usually you have swear words that are specific to like where you grew up. So it's weird that they would have picked one up from honor. I mean, I, I'm personally in favor of the second that it's just they existed not too long after the shattering of Adonalsium. Um, Maybe people didn't know about the shattering of Adonalsium until Odium popped up and say, hey, buddies, want me to be your god? I hold a shard. Hey, heard y'all were looking for a god. Sup? Now, I think I heard that the the people aren't even humans aren't even native to ashton that they would have odium brought people with him when he got to the rosharian system and they happened to settle on ashton but if that's the case like the heralds didn't exist until some time after they got to roshar because they they designed the oath pack to keep odium in that system i just I, I'm I'm wondering about the time frame, and I'm really wondering if we're going to get this. You said Ash will be a perspective in the back half, right? Yeah, she's supposed to be. That's that's got to be like we're gonna have to see how the Oath Pack originally was created. Like I feel like that's what we would get in those flashbacks. I think she's currently slated for book eight. I, I want to know, guys. I need I need more. All right, last highlight of this chapter. Um, talking about the pictures of Ash and Talon, that's his drawing style, a part of Ash noted. Why has Midius been giving away pictures of us? Um, I, I'm pretty sure that's Hoyd, and that's just one of his many names, and this is just a new one that we haven't seen before. That makes sense, rather than it being like a famous Rosharan artist, which is what I thought. Okay. Um, okay. Next chapter, uh, this is where Cowden finds Scar and Drahi, um, and... Elokar's son, and Drehi says, we protect those who cannot protect themselves. Does that mean he, he, he's also a... Is this his second ideal? Like, he swore? No, because otherwise they would have been flying. Okay. That's that's um, what I thought, but I like I, it still. I like the scene. I teared up at this scene, you guys. Yeah. It it was nice. It did give me a little bit of the, the chills. Um, I was just happy they were alive. I was like, no, Scar and Drehi. Yep, there they are. Against all odds. Um, anyway... Teravangian, on his compassionate day, uh, did she feel like he's just thinking about uh, his other people? Uh, did she feel as he did, shocked every time she looked in the mirror, wondering where the days had gone? When they'd been young, they'd wanted to conquer the world or save it. I wanted to highlight this because this is a Teravangian perspective. He wants to conquer the world in order to save it. This is the guy who now is holding Odium Shard. I, 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 that's scary to me. Because he would definitely do the worst thing possible if he thinks it will save the most people. Or saving people, but he's in control. I don't know. This is I wanted to highlight it because that's just the way he thinks. And we know what happens next book. Um, okay, and then I highlighted where Teravangi admitted that... Uh, or this, this is in his perspective. They were thinking about how they let in the singers to Aretharu back during this attack. So, you know, his, his uh, Night Radiant did that, so... I mean, he's just totally selling them out. That's just what he does. Um, I did highlight Odium popping up. Odium appeared to Teravangian as a 20-foot-tall human with shin eyes and a scepter. 
His beard was not wispy like Teravangian had been, but neither was it bushy. So um, do you guys think this is actually what the Shard Horror looks like? Because we know he changes how he appears, but this is very specific. He doesn't look like a typical Rosharn. He it specifically calls out the Shin Eyes. And as we know, that just happens to be commonly what we see uh, from humans. It has the Shin Eyes. So whenever it highlights the Shin Eyes, that's usually a sign that, hey, they're not from this planet. So you guys think this is like what Ray's actually looks like? 20 feet tall? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from that. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm almost done. Just a couple more. Um, I mean, I highlighted that Odium's like, hey, do you not realize I chose to stay specifically because of your ailment, uh, Teravangian? So Odium knows that Teravangian has compassionate days and intelligent days. Like, he, he seems to know the details of this. Odium knows a lot more than what he admits to what's going on. Um, I also highlighted that that Teravangian did this without access to fortune or the spiritual realm. Having access to the spiritual realm is what people like Renarin are doing when they look ahead, and typically what the shards do. But it looks like having access to fortune might also give you, like, it doesn't give you future sight, but it's it's the it gives you the right place at the right time without giving you details sort of thing. Which is almost certainly what Hoyd does. Yes, that's what Hoyd does. Um, but it is interesting what Cultivation was up to with this, that he was able to have this sort of future vision, but apparently he doesn't have access to fortune. Like, do you think this is just Cultivation is the one with this, and he just inadvertently got access to this for his diagram? Or what else is happening here? Because there's some major future sight happening here, but Teravangian doesn't realize it or maybe that's just the way that this boon i call it a boon um way it sort of works on his most intelligent day he essentially had access to the spiritual realm at that point create the diagram like that happened basically at the very beginning uh when he was given this boon and then just sort of try to interpret it later on or am i just reading too much into that all right continuing um the golden words like Odium's like, allow me to show you how far I can see. And he basically shows the words, and then he adds a whole bunch of words in gold, like, after it. Because he sees so much further. And I wanted to highlight this because we get to see roughly how the forest, at least Odium, can see. And keep in mind that from what we know, Cultivation can see even better. Maybe... I don't necessarily want to say she sees further because it appears that it just stretches back to infinity. She's just better at reading the different paths and how to set things on the paths that she desires. She's better at interpreting what is seen is what I want to say. Okay. Um, oh, and then I also pointed out where certain words are blackened out. Um, Teravangian saw that words were blacked out into eternity, starting from this point on the wall, as if something had happened here, a ripple in what Odium could see. At its root, a name, Renarin Colon. In general, having access to Future Sight, like what Renarin can do, like ATM has done uh, in the Mistborn series, it typically makes it harder for someone to Future Sight you because you have Future Sight. Renarin is the, the black text that changed everything. We just don't quite know how that applied to Del Dalinar not picking. Like, I think it's cultivation that made sure that Dalinar wouldn't become Odium's champion. But we still don't fully know why Yasna didn't kill him, right? I sure we were, don't. We were arguing about that. Okay, almost done. Uh, just something about the Aegis. 
uh, just this is how they think. Uh, there's arguments and stuff. Uh, Polona, this is from Polona's perspective. Uh, the Natans were complaining that they should be given control of the Oath Gate as Shadow Plains, while the Aegis, Aes-ish, were talking again about how God Himself had apparently prophesied that Surge Biners would destroy the world. So is that is that them just talking about Ishar? Since he is is that is that is he control one of the Aegis kingdoms, or am I confusing that? Tukar, God King of yeah. Tukar. Is is that an Azer country? Yeah. So basically, he said that Surge Binders would destroy the world, which is exactly what happened. Uh, and I believe the Azish region uh, reveres the heralds as gods. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to highlight that. Um, I highlighted Moash getting his new name of Fire, um, and it means he who quiets, which is exactly what they're going to use him for. And then finally, I highlighted uh, just the the hidden text that it's in the women's speak. I, I I don't know if this is the first time we hear about it, but this is where we hear that women have been writing stuff in the footnotes and everything. A la Alamancer Jack. Um, I forget. I thought the name. we knew about that for a while now. We certainly have. I don't know if Dave knew about it for a while. No, I mean, I thought we knew about it from like earlier in the book, earlier books for a while now. Yeah, yeah I thought so, too. Okay. I can't remember anything specific, which is hurting my assertion here, but I, yeah. I thought we did. Um, I did want us to talk, not today, because we got to go, but someone posted a really neat theory on the, the Cosmere, uh, the Stormlight Archive subreddit about what the Windrunner's final oath could be. And I thought there was some interesting discussion there, so I put it in our Cosmere Theories channel. Uh, maybe if we have time, we could talk about it next week or something. I did read that, and I did think it was interesting. I the, don't the thing know I, that like, I think it's right. Yeah, I don't know if it's right, but what I like is that it mentions sort of offhand that every lesson that Cowden was given in his history sort of turned into one of the ideals that he has to say. And... I think they point out that there's still the one where Kaladin has to pick between helping the nobles, uh, Roshon's son, or helping someone else. And he picks someone else, which is sort of the catalyst for everything. And it's sort of, uh, or sorry, Liren does that, not Kaladin. And yeah, that, that could be essentially what is the final ideal for Windrunners. And that's going to be super hard to do. Anyway, that's all I have. Okay, I'd like to be done. I'm hungry. Yeah, that was a lot. All right, bye, everybody. Bye. Good night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.